Gifts. The interview that you're going to hear today, which I hope you will enjoy, I'm sure you will, Kathy Malone did a fabulous job. It needed to be delayed because of some connectivity issues that we had during the interview. Uh, luckily, uh, Resonate Recordings, my producers, they were able to go in and correct some of the problems that we had. So most of the interview that you're going to hear is very smooth. You might notice one or two choppy parts, but for the most part, it's ready to go, and I'm really glad that it is. It was originally recorded back in the summer of this year before I moved to New Mexico. So it's quite some time ago. And there are a few things that are referenced that have already taken place. One is Dr. David Suskind. It's mentioned that I'm going to be interviewing him in an upcoming show, uh, but I've already interviewed him. That took place in November, and it is the podcast before this one. We also note the conference for the Specific Carbohydrate Diet Association. They do have ongoing conferences, so you want to make sure that you visit them to see all the things that are coming up. However, the one that was referenced in October already took place. Go to their website, and you'll be able to see some replays of the wonderful presentations that took place there. I hope you're doing well. I wish you and yours very happy holidays, and let's get started. Welcome to the SCD Specific Carbohydrate Diet Podcast. If something has been eating at you or eating at your gut, then I have good news for you. The Specific Carbohydrate Diet, also known as the SCD, has helped countless people with a wide variety of health issues improve their quality of life. It's also a great way to eat if you just want to go grain-free or stay away from processed foods. Here, you'll find interviews with SCD experts as well as everyday people who actively follow the program, and you'll get tips to help you enjoy living the SCD, including resources, recipes, and more. I'm your host, Lee Bernstein. I live with gut issues. I live with autoimmune issues, and after trying many nutrition protocols, I found that the SCD is what works for me. If that's the same for you, or if you're looking to find out if it is, then let's enjoy living SCD together. I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. Nothing on this show is ever medical advice. I'm just someone who's thankful that the specific carbohydrate diet works. I'm thankful that it's given me my life back, and I'm especially thankful and excited about being here with you today. So if you're ready, let's begin. Welcome. Today's guest is Kathy Malone, MSRDN. I have a feeling when you listen to her, you're going to want to listen to more. If you go to my website, which is scdforme.com, you're going to see that I have links there to how to get in touch with Kathy, as well as many of the things that she talks about today. But I'm also going to, and I refer to the Specific Carbohydrate Diet Association a lot. I'm big fans of theirs. I'm also going to link there to a presentation that they have very generously offered for free for you to listen to. It's a replay of a talk that she did at the 2018 SCD Rocks Conference. It's called IBD and SCD, When and How to Supplement. You know, those of you who like to go and to show notes and click on the links, just as a reminder, very often it is better to go to the website that supports the show than it is just to look in your podcast app for those links. The reason being, places like Apple Podcasts and the like, they only allow you to have so many characters appear there, whereas a website you can put as much or as little as you want. So when you're looking for those show notes, please do come to scdforme.com. Kathy Malone is a registered dietitian nutritionist. She's trained in traditional nutrition therapy as well as integrative and functional nutrition. She has 33 years of clinical experience in working with children as well as adults, specializing in gastrointestinal disorders. She'd spent 19 years at the Center for Pediatric Gastroenterology and Nutrition at Mass General Hospital. Before that, she worked with a group of pediatric gastroenterologists. 
very cool. She currently has a private practice. It's called Restore to Flourish, LLC. She consults also at Hopewell Associates, where she sees patients with mental health conditions, as well as autism. Her approach is personal. It bases itself on, well, you know, if you're into SCD, you're going to be all over this. It it bases itself on removing inflammatory allergenic foods, replacing them with wholesome foods that support the immune system and growth, and then rebalancing the intestinal microbiome with food and supplements and repairing the gastrointestinal tract. That method, as you're going to see, has served Kathy very well over the years. One thing that I love, though, is how she's not only seen it improve digestive function and growth, but she's also seen it improve behavior and mood and overall health. She lectures on all of that, as well as much more. She also had the opportunity to travel to China, where she helped implement a nutrition program using the specific carbohydrate diet for patients with autism. On a personal note, she's been happily married for over 30 years. She has three children. She most recently welcomed her first grandchild. So, you know, she just has a lot of passion for helping families and children eat well and learning how to change the way they eat. Let's get started. Welcome, Kathy. It's great to have you on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Lee. It's really an honor. I really want to know more about what it is like to be a registered dietitian. Now, my niece is probably listening to this today and cringing because she too is a registered dietitian and she's saying to herself, you really ought to know this. But I think for every registered dietitian, it looks a little different. Some people specialize in different things. Uh, So what is it like for you? Give me what it's like in the day of a life of your registered dietitian world, what you do and who you serve. So I have a private practice now called Restore to Flourish, and, and I see many different types of patients, adults and children, but I specialize in seeing patients with gastrointestinal problems. So patient, these patients have symptoms, and they come to me, and they need help resolving the symptoms. So I, I take a functional approach to nutrition. I see my role as sort of a nutrition detective trying to determine the cause of the problem. And I do this by gathering info about their health, their past medical history, medications, any lab values, past testing, looking at their current dietary intake and past intake. And I use this information to determine what foods need to be removed from the diet and what foods or supplements need to be added to the diet. So what I found is there's not one diet for every individual. Everyone, everyone it can't be tailored that way. It has to be tailored to the specific person because everyone has different food likes, sensitivities, etc. Just even, even for example, the specific carbohydrate diet, if someone has, say, an allergy to nuts, then it's going to be a completely different program for them than someone who does not, yes? Absolutely. I've seen patients. It makes the diet more difficult when some of those major foods in the diet, like nuts or eggs, um, have to be eliminated, but patients want to do it, they can do it. And um, that, I've worked with patients that have had to have that happen. How did you know you wanted to be a registered dietitian? Well, I, it wasn't a lifelong dream or anything. I went to college and I didn't like what I majored. I majored in communications and psychology and I you know, couldn't really get a job. So I, I was always interested in nutrition and I got my master's in nutrition and, and I, I thought I wanted to be a a sports nutritionist, like I, I didn't like hospitals, I didn't like anything clinical or anything like that, but I couldn't get a job again, and I got a job, and my first job, I was put on a floor with pediatric patients with gastrointestinal problems, and that was over 30 years ago, and you know, I, I love it. I've loved it, and it's been my passion since then. So life just found a way to put you where you needed to be. It found you. It, Exa- it came to you. <laughs> exactly. I yes. love that. I love that. It's like kind of like an answer to the prayer, you know. <laughs> show, me, show me what I need to do, and then it comes to you, right? It does. You're right. Very cool. Very cool. Um, one thing I talk about on the show all the time is how life happens in a way, if we're open to it, that 
we're meant to learn that way. We're meant to learn by those things. And it's nice to see that that's happened with you too. So, all right. So now you're going along your way. You found that you really like working with uh, people with gastrointestinal issues. How did you learn about the specific carbohydrate diet? Why do you maybe prefer it to other diets or do you? So I, I learned about the diet from a patient or a mom who had heard about the diet, and this was in um, 2006, so it was a long time ago. And she asked me if I could help her with the diet. So I read the book, Breaking the Vicious Cycle by Elaine Gotchell, and the diet really just made sense to me. She was a, an 11-year-old girl who had Crohn's of both the small and large intestine. She had really uh, symptoms of rectal bleeding, fatigue, growth failure, iron deficiency, and her initial endoscopy and colonoscopy showed inflammation throughout her small intestine. Mm. Uh, and she was on three medications. So she started the diet, and within a few months, her symptoms resolved, her labs normalized. She was taken off all medications. And wow. Her, yeah. And, um, and she, had, she actually, she was one of uh, the few that had endoscopy and colonoscopy two years later, and it was completely normal. So I was sold after that, and um, that was the beginning of... I'm just going to interrupt you for a second. So two years later, when she had her endoscopy and colonoscopy, was she still following the diet 100% at that time, or had she introduced some foods outside of the diet? Do you know or remember? She was strict. Um, okay. That was a long time ago before I didn't want her to go out. You know, I was helping her, and yeah, so she was strict. That's fabulous. So then you were sold. Then I was sold, yeah. I was and so, you have, is that, do you find yourself recommending SCD to people more often than not in your practice? Um, so I do. I, I think, you know, as Dr. Suskin from Seattle Children says, um, you know, the diet works. And I've seen it work for patients with IBD, you know, at Mass General. And, uh, you know, as a dietitian, I see a lot of people, adults and children, and I see what they eat. And oftentimes, um, I would say most of the time, or many people eat what's, a, you know, considered a standard American diet, you know, a diet high in sugar, processed grains, low in quality protein and fruits and vegetables and healthy fats. So in other words, the people that are sick that are con not consuming anything that is going to help them heal or improve their immune system. So they're actually eating foods that would perpetuate the inflammation. So anytime a patient wants to go on that, I'm happy, you know, because the diet not only takes foods out and food components that could cause dysbiosis infl inflammation, but it provides real foods and nutrients that heal the gastrointestinal tract and promote good, good, uh, a healthy immune system. Yeah, yeah. And so for people who aren't familiar with the term, explain what dysbiosis is. Okay, sure. Um, so a healthy, so in the gastrointestinal tract, there's um, the microbiome, which consists of good bacteria, bad bacteria, commensal bacteria, and there should be a balance. And anytime that's out of balance, it's called dysbiosis. So there's probably more bad bacteria than there is good bacteria in the gut. Well, in IBD, there, there definitely is, um, you know, more pro-inflammatory bacteria and, and less beneficial bacteria. Okay. You mentioned that you learned about SCD through a parent coming to you and asking you about it. So that leads me to, to ask, all registered dietitians don't know about the SCD, do they? I think it depends on what kind of dietetics you're in. Um, you know, there are different kinds of specialties in dietetics. I think now if you're in GI, you should know about the diet because of the work that Dr. Suskind did at Seattle Children's. He's validated the diet by his research, and now there are large prospective studies using the diet with IBD. That's And thank goodness for that good work that he did. I'm really hoping to have him on the show one of these days soon. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, he's a wonderful man. He's a nice guy. He came out with nimble therapy when? I, I don't really know the answer to that, and I wouldn't necessarily expect you to. But it's been around long enough, like you said, where people are really starting to understand that it it's real. It's not just not just some fad, quote, way to eat to heal yourself. So you've been working with helping patients with SCD for about how long now? So I said that first diet, uh, the first patient was in 2006. So if I do 14 years. All right. So you've seen any other success stories you're able to share? 
So we've had many success stories at MGH. I mean, most patients that start the diet and followed it strictly when they were sick did well. And we had a number of patients on the diet that would follow it and do well, and then they would deviate from the diet and flare. But they're, And when I say do well, I mean they were asymptomatic, all inflammatory markers normalized, medications were reduced, or they remained on a lower-level med, and some of them did have repeat endoscopy and colonoscopies, which were completely normal. I think the most dramatic recovery I said I remember is this boy, um, he was 19 years old. He had been a col- at college and he flared. He had lost so much weight. He was um, six feet and, and looked emaciated. And the inflammation was so bad that he required an ileocecal resection. So, um, yeah, so after the surgery, he didn't want to go back on medications because he was on medications and he wanted to stop the diet. And I have to say, I was a little worried because he was so thin and because, you know, he was going back to college and it's, it's not the easiest diet to do at college, but he was so determined and he ended up doing beautifully. He gained weight, went back to college he is lab normalized, and uh, and he had a repeat endoscopy and a colonoscopy a year later, which showed minimal evidence of disease. Yeah, that you know, I'm, there's so many people that are listening that have, of course, now with COVID nineteen out there, not everyone is at college the way that they were maybe a year or two ago. But it's to hear of a college student being able to go, and he was living away from home. Yes, yes, he was. Any idea what he did? Did he talk to? the college and make sure that whatever foods they had available would be compatible? Or how did he work? Did he cook food in his room? What did he do? Well, he he went to a good good school with good, like Cornell is a, a school oh, yeah. that, <laughs> that, that um, I think they specialize in food science. They do. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> he had a kitchen, so he could cook. And he did a lot of ordering, you know, from the companies for um, like baked goods, and he would cook protein and have the baked goods. But you're talking about companies like Wellbees, like Wellbees and GI Pro Health, and places that sell SED compliant foods. Yes, yes, and baked goods like Duke's Bakery and places like that. Duke's Bakery. I have to make sure that I link to them in the show notes. Where are they located? Dartmouth, Massachusetts. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning them because they do ship, and I want to make sure that I have a link to them. Yeah, and I think the squirrel and the bee. I mean, that was a long time ago, so there wasn't as many places. But uh, I was he was he was really determined and did well. It just shows that if you're determined enough, and so often that's what happens is people will get so sick, they'll try everything, they'll go on a ton of medications. This is something that's come up in the interviews I've done on the show a lot, and. You just eventually get to that point where, you know what, right now I'm willing to do anything and everything to get to the other side of it. And when you reach that point, it really seems to help. One of the messages we try to get out in this show, and I'm sure you probably do too, is if you can nip it in the bud before it gets too bad, you know, that you're really, you're really doing a lot. I had an interview recently where the doctor was telling me that she has what she calls baby IBD. It hadn't turned into full IBD yet. It would be more like IBS, but she was showing markers that would take her there. And because she stopped and started to eat more healthily, she never went any further, but she has little doubt that she would have had she not stopped and and taking care of herself the way that she did. It's a shame we can't get more people to do that. I know. It's not always easy to do, but that was a great story. Thank you so much. So being a nutritionist, you know, I have to ask you about supplements and supplementation. Do you feel that people who follow, because the specific carbohydrate diet is very nutritious. Do you feel that people that follow the SCD need to use supplements as well? So it, it is a very nutritious, you know, it, it has a lot of great foods and foods that people wouldn't normally, especially children wouldn't normally eat like fruits and vegetables with phytochemicals, pro, different proteins that have amino acids, probiotics, prebiotics, you know, foods that actually promote health. And so you would think, well, why do I need to do that? It's a lot of work. And I have to say, 
if patients go on this, I have a hard time getting them to take a multivitamin because, you know, they're not taking drugs. Why do I need to take anything? I'm doing all this work. But there are many reasons why supplements could be needed. And, you know, of course, as a dietitian, I believe that eating whole foods or real foods over supplements is the way to go. But, you know, uh, one of the main reasons is that a lot of people eat the same foods every day. For example, they may eat only chicken for protein, or they have the habit of eating the same breakfast or lunch every day. Medications are another reason why uh, supplements may be needed. Uh, many medications may deplete or interfere with the absorption of specific nutrients. For example, 5-ASAs are drugs commonly used in IBD, so Pentassa, Azacol, and these can deplete the body of folate. Another reason is inflammation of any kind can cause increased nutrient needs. Anytime the body is more metabolically, metabolically active, additional nutrients are needed to heal or combat oxidative stress. And especially if the inflammation is in the GI tract where the nutrient is absorbed. So that actually, that affects, the inflammation affects absorption itself. For example, if a patient has Crohn's disease and has inflammation in the lower ileum, they are more likely to have a B12 deficiency because that's where B12 is absorbed. Yes, I've heard that. I've heard that a lot. Or if people have had surgery in that area, yes, they they need to supplement quite a bit. Yes, yes, yes absolutely. Yeah, well, you don't think about inflammation as something that will that could make you need more supplements, but yet. It makes complete sense because it your does. body is working so much harder to try to, yeah. Yeah. The nutritional adequacy of the SCD was evaluated by Dr. Suskin and he, his um, dietitian, Kim Braley, and they analyzed, th this is interesting, they analyzed three-day diet records of eight patients on the diet at two, four, eight, and 12 weeks, and they looked at 20 nutrients. And these, the results of this were compared to the rec recommended dietary intakes in diets of children their own age. And the uh, results of the analysis showed that the SCD was adequate when compared to the diets of children similar aged. Um, so even the SCD, which excluded food, was, lower, was not lower in nutrients than patients who were on a regular diet. But the SCD of all the patients' diets you broke up just a little bit. It was lower. It was lower than what? Even the SCD, which excluded foods, was not lower in nutrients than patients who are on a regular diet. So, you know, they were doing better or the same than patients on a regular diet. But when they compared the SCD to the recommended dietary allowances, the diets of all the patients on, in the study were low in vitamin D. And they were also the majority of the patient's diets were low in calcium, thiamine, which is a B vitamin, folate, zinc, and phosphorus. And, you know, the recommended dietary allowances are just estimates for healthy people, you know, and everybody's different, but I think it's good to know. And, you know, when I see patients, I always look at their diet and see what's missing and often you know, vitamin D, definitely, calcium, and, and B vitamins can be a problem, depending on what they eat. And, you know, I hear people say a lot, well, I eat a really balanced diet. I'm very, very careful. I make sure that I, you know, have my yogurt, which has, you know, I'm using um, milk with vitamin D in it and this and that. I, so I don't really need a supplement. What do you say to those people? So I say, well, especially with vitamin D, get, get your vitamin D checked. Because the food supply has changed. It doesn't have as many nutrients because, as it has, has had before. And, and I just know what I see at 30 years of listening to what people eat. The variety isn't there all the time. I mean, with some people, it probably is. But a lot of people, just for insurance, I think it's a good idea. And you don't get vitamin D from the sun, 24, not 24. You don't get vitamin D from the sun year round. I know right now I live in Northwest Indiana. There's only vitamin D from the sun from I think it's June till October, depending on where you live in the country. So if you live in Seattle, for example, you're getting a lot less vitamin D than if you live in 
Texas. You are. I mean, because you just, the sun, the sun exposure is different. So, and people think you can still get a sunburn year round. You can go say skiing and you can get a sunburn, but you might not be getting vitamin D. It's very interesting that what I found out about that. And I actually know from personal experience, because when I was so sick years ago, I was taking multivitamin. I was eating pretty healthy, you know, certainly eating foods that had vitamin D in them. And yet when I was tested, I had almost zero vitamin D in my body. I had lost, I was so, so weak and really depleted, very, as sick as I was, that was making me even sicker. And it opened my eyes to how easily it can, it, it can happen that you're low in D. But even if you don't have problems, even if you don't have gastrointestinal issues, everybody needs to get their D checked. Wouldn't you say? They really do. Like what you said too, IBD is more prevalent in northern climates. That's a fact, you know, and I think that they do need to get their, their, the thing about vitamin D, and if if we're talking about inflammatory bowel disease, you know, the research has shown that that vitamin D actually protects against IBD or the complications of IBD. So, it's, it's not, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, everyone's vitamin D is low. It's very important that you check your blood levels. And they should be, you know, greater than 20 NGs per, I think it's milliliter. But it's better to get it up there between 40 and 60. 40 to 60. Yeah. And it's important when you do take vitamin D to take it with fat because it's a fat-soluble vitamin. I don't know if Good people, point. yeah, to do that. So your body absorbs it better if you're taking it with something that has fat it is, in it. because it's a fat soluble. Well, it's, I'm glad you mentioned that. Because it's a fat-soluble vitamin, that also means, and correct me if I'm wrong, that it's, it's really easy to overdose on a fat-soluble vitamin. You need to be careful that you're not taking too much, right? You do. You do. Um, you do have to. Yes. Yeah. With vitamin D... I think um, I think you should get it checked and and go from there. And, and it's good to have a healthcare professional tell you how much you should use. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so not just deciding to take a bunch of vitamin D because oh I might be deficient, so I'm just going to take a bunch of vitamin D. You really should have somebody take a look at it professionally. Oh, without a doubt, yes. Because you want to get it up there, and you don't want to take too much. So you- yeah. So you mentioned vitamin D, you mentioned calcium, folate, phosphorus, and zinc. Are those what you see as the the most important nutrients to think about with IBD or? I think the most important is the vitamin D, B vitamins, B vitamins, and zinc, because those three, these, those three protect against by IBD. Those are the most important. Zinc protects against IBD as well. Yes, it does. Yeah. Vitamin B, zinc, vitamin D, all very important. Calcium, folate are important. Phosphorus is important. So, hey, if you're going to have your doctor check you for vitamin D, you might as well take a look at some of the other things too. Yes, definitely. Especially if you have IBD. Uh-huh. How important is, you know, one of the things that is part of the specific carbohydrate diet of course, is the homemade 24-hour yogurt. How important is that yogurt to the diet, do you think? Uh, the, the yogurt is important because, of course, it contains probiotics, a good bacteria. And the probiotics are important because they kill pathogenic bacteria. They inhibit the growth of inflammatory or pathogenic bacteria, and they nourish the lining of the GI tract. You know, they do a lot of other things too, but that in, in terms of healing, that's what's important. So the yogurt fermented for 24 hours has, has I read somewhere, 708 billion CFUs for a cup. So that compared to, you know, a commercially, that, that's so much more. And, and compared to a, a supplement, a supplement, you know, probably has 15 to 25 billion organisms. So there's a lot of probiotic in that yogurt. And if you can't have the yogurt, or dairy, you you know, I, I have patients that make coconut or almond yogurt, or if they don't have that, they they could you can try other fermented foods like sauerkraut, fermented vegetables, kimchi, pickles. Now, if someone is buying pickles, say in a grocery store, it's just not going to the 
pickle aisle and buying a jar of pickles, correct? No, no. So those types of foods have to be made with SCD legal ingredients, and they're unpasteurized or raw. You know, so you usually, um, they do have them in the, usually the produce section of, of a good store. And, you know, and you don't have to eat a lot of them because it, I read somewhere a teaspoon of sauerkraut has 5 billion CFU. So it's not like you have to have a bowl of sauerkraut. You could just put a tablespoon, you know, next to your salad. Just a little, just a little bit. Yeah. And especially just a little bit. And even, you know, a child would only need a teaspoon. Okay. So the yogurt and fermented foods have primarily lactobacillus species of bacteria. And, and that's what's been recommended in the past for the SCD. And re- research has shown that the benefits of bifidobacteria in, in addition to lactobacillus bacteria, and you, you, get the, you get that from prebiotic foods. Okay, let's talk about prebiotic foods. Okay, prebiotic foods are non-digestible carbohydrates. So they're, they're parts of, they're a part of, a, of um, vegetables that have, that ferment in the colon and serve as fuel or food for probiotics. And they increase bifidobacteria and other types of bacteria that fuel colonic cells. So examples of good prebiotic foods on the SCD are onions, garlic, banana, asparagus, apples, legumes, banana, onions, garlic. Banana. Oh, hey, banana. I mean, that's like everyone's main. <laughs> those ripe. But wait now. Oh, okay. So, all right. So banana. If it is right, if it's really ripe, is it still a prebiotic? Yes, yes, it is. It is because I have. Okay, all right, that's good to know. It's very good to know. Good, I gotta love those bananas. I, know. <laughs> I don't know it's what true. those of us on SCD would would do without them. Is it enough just to take SCD multivitamins and minerals? I mean, all right, so you're doing the yogurt, and then you're taking SCD legal multivitamins and minerals. Is that enough? The real food really has a lot to do with it, too. Everything works together. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could be. Like we talked about, vitamin D is so important. So you you probably, you might need to take a vitamin D supplement depending on how much is in the multivitamin mineral. Um, But it depends on what foods you consume, whether or not you have like symptoms of a deficiency that would indicate that you need a supplement or if lab values indicate that you're low in a specific nutrient. That's, you know, you just, like you said earlier, you just don't want to take a bunch of supplements. Just to be taking them. Just no, to, because you, no. Yeah. It's kind of, I have a friend that says that she used to be a health food store fanatic because she would go in and whatever the latest, you know, the flavor of the day uh, in the nutritional world, she was always trying it, hoping that it would change her life. And I think she ended up saying that she spent, she spent more money than she did get stuff. Not that a lot of the stuff there isn't good, but just to take it indiscriminately. Do gastrointestinal doctors routinely check for vitamin deficiencies? I think, you know, GI and IBD, they do. I'm not sure if all doctors do all the time. And some of the serum lab values are not indicative, are not a good measure you know, of, of a deficiency. There's functional lab testing you can have done by an integrative or functional doctor or dietitian, and it shows metabolically what's going on. And those, that, that's a great way to um, get your vitamins and minerals checked. Good to know. Should people take a probiotic on top of the yogurt? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, I think, you know, it's always like everything else, food first, but I don't think it, it, can, it can hurt I think it's fine, especially if you don't eat those foods with probiotics and you're not eating, you know, five to nine fruits or vegetables a day. I think it's a good idea. But, and I I think a good one should have both the lactobacillus and the bifidobacteria strains. And, uh, you know, you just want to be careful there's no ingredients that are illegal because some of the probiotics do have starches in them or sugars like maltose. Some of them do have prebiotics, like inulin is a prebiotic, but that's not SCD legal, and that's in a lot of probiotics. Yeah, that's one to really watch out for. I've been yeah. hit by, before I learned a lot about SCD, I was hit with the inulin response, and my body did not like it at all. Not at all. Not at all. So 
I have heard that zinc, if I, I know there's no proof about this or anything yet, but so many people now, and, and this is July 30th, the show will air a few weeks from now. So COVID-19 is rampant. These supplements that you're mentioning, do they help, do you think, with protection against COVID-19? Or do you have any type of recommendations for people that wonder if there's anything they could do to help protect themselves? Sure, sure. So yeah, I'll talk about zinc in a minute. I mean, you want to boost your immune system. And you know, as it's overused, but food food is the best medicine or the best way to improve your immune system. You can take a lot of supplements, but if you aren't eating right, or if you're eating the wrong foods, I'm not sure how much the supplements are really going to help you. Now, if you're on the SCD, or you're, you're on the right track because you have removed those foods which are inflammatory or those foods which I call anti-nutrients. They work against the immune system, foods high in sugar, processed grains with omega-6 fatty acids and with food additives. And, you know, these all affect the microbiome, and, and 60% of our immune system is in our microbiome. Six zero percent. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. So it's critical to balance, you know, the microbiota by eating the correct foods. And with a diet like the SCD, you want to make sure it's you're eating clean pro protein, preferably like grass-fed organic meats, if you can, if you can afford it, wild fish, um, you know, a lot of omega-3 fatty acids from fish and nuts and seeds. And if you, if you can afford it, organic fruits and vegetables, because, and it's, it's important to focus on produce with flavon, flavonoids, because they have antiviral properties. So, you know, they're a component fruits and vegetables that um, are phytonutrients and citrus fruits, cruciferous vegetables like broccoli and cauliflower, dark leafy green vegetables, and antiviral spices and herbs like ginger, garlic, turmeric, oregano, rosemary, and green tea. So they really do help. They really do. When you're using these wonderful spices, they're you're also they're also feeding your gut at the same time. They do, they do. And in addition to food, like you know, sleep, exercise, keeping stress levels low, are you know the best ways to promote a healthy immune system. Boy, if someone would only come up with a pill that would that, that really that would, that would, uh, yeah, it's I not know easy. They, <laughs> but I think you I know. I know they give pills for stress, but it doesn't take the stress away. I think it just masks it. Yeah, that's a big one. That's, that's a big, a big one. one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are supplements that have been studied in relation, but not there. They've been studied in, not in relation to COVID nineteen, but in relation to other COVID into other coronaviruses. There's been research like the, done. A common cold is a coronavirus, yes, isn't it? Yes, right, yeah. right. So that research they're using. And so the major supplements that, you know, I, the, the Institute of Functional Medicine has a list of nutraceuticals and botan, botanicals that they recommend. And I think the, the major nutrients would be zinc, like you said, vitamin C, vitamin D, melatonin, and elderberry. And what's the last one? Elderberry. Oh, elderberry. Mm-hmm. Elderberry. Okay. Now, I've seen that people on the boards, on the SED boards, will sometimes make elderberry cough syrup for themselves. Oh, really? Not sure exactly how they're doing it, oh, but they I must be doing it so it's legal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they're doing it in an Instant Pot, actually. I might have to look that up. What is the name of the institute that you mentioned? Again, I want to link to that in the show notes. Oh, yeah. The Institute of Functional Medicine. Excellent. Now, your work has been very very diverse. And um, you had the opportunity to take a trip to China. When was that? That was, oh my, time flies. It's like two and a half years ago. It'll be three years in October. And you were invited to go there. Is that correct? Yes. Tell us why you went to China. I went to China to represent my friend Pam Farrow, who together with Raman Prasad wrote the book, SCD for autism and ADHD. She couldn't go and she knew that I'm a friend of hers and I knew that she knew that I had experience with the diet with both patients with IBD and autism. 
So I went and it was an international forum on nutritional medicine sponsored by the government. I guess it, it seems that there's been an exponential increase in the number of children diagnosed with autism. And someone compared it to how we were 20 years ago in the U.S. So they were interested in all types of therapies that could help because it was new to them. Uh, so I, what I had to do was uh, present the rationale for the diet to a group of professionals and then spend time with dietitians and patients teaching them how to implement the diet. And, you know, it, it wasn't, and there's not a lot of research um, that would back up using the SCD specifically for autism, but there is re research which shows that gastrointestinal symptoms are more common in patients with autism and behaviors may be a result of their pain. There's also research that show that children with autism have an altered gut microbiota. We know by tons of research that diet affects the microbiome and the microbiome affects the brain. There's a gut-brain connection. And the SCD, they use, in autism, they use a, the SCD that's dairy-free. And this is a diet that has been shown to heal the GI tract by Susskind and his group and, and change the microbiota. So that was the rationale. And, you know, Pam it has, I'm sure, a lot of, I know you're having her on the show soon, and she, she'll, she has a lot of miraculous stories. Now she runs. It's is it the Gotch? Oh, well, you know I don't have it written down. The Gotchall Institute. The yeah. Gotchall Institute, which is they work specifically with autistic children. They do. Yes, they do. Uh, so she's had a lot of, and she has a very strong nutritional background as well. She has a lot of information that I'm hoping she'll be able to share. Talking about autism is something we have yet to do on the show until you did it today, unless I have some special bonus episode that comes out. <laughs> and I'm just going to take a time out to reach out to everyone here because there are and I've talked to a few people, very prevalent people that are highly respected in the SCD community that have wonderful success stories to share when it comes to their children and autism, mm -hmm. children even being mainstreamed in school and living a normal life. The problem with that is that if we want to always be very respectful of the confidentiality of the children... Yes. So it can be difficult to do that type of interview and keep that confidential to, you know, really support that child because the child doesn't have any say in what's being said about him or her. And I, I, I'm really sensitive to that, as are parents out sure. there. So I, I'm just going to reach out to everyone listening to the show. If you do know of someone that would be and and Pam's going to be wonderful. She is the ultimate person to have on Pam Farrow, and I'm looking forward to hopefully interviewing her sometime in August. But we do need more stories about autism, and if you do know of someone that can come on and talk about it without interfering with the confidentiality of a child, I would so thank you for that. And you too. I mean. Kathy, if you know of anybody else, we're always looking for those folks because there's a lot of hope out there. Yes. There really is. Mm -hmm. There really is. I know in the SED Rocks conference that's coming up in October of this year, they are saying on the SED Association website that it, that's a really good way for parents of autistic children to connect to other parents of autistic children so they can talk to one another about the help that they're getting by using the SCD. So I'm glad you brought that up. Do you feel like you made, I'm sure you did. Did it open a lot of eyes in China? Were people really surprised to hear that there's a lot of success when it comes to using the diet, both in the gastrointestinal tract and then of course with the, with the brain connection at helping autistic children? I think, yeah, I mean, they, they just wanted information. And um, there was one mother there that spoke about using it with her child. So that was, that was great. So that, and she had a group of um, mothers that were using the diet. And they, we actually, they, we met and had questions. And it was, it was great. Because, you know, you feel alone sometimes when you're doing these things. And yeah, so they were very open to it. And really, the parents, I, I, I actually saw it 
patients teaching them the diet. And, um, you know, we had translators and they really, um, you know, they were really open. So that's great. And thank you for going there and thank you for doing that. You know, it's what you're doing is helping people here so much, but when now you're reaching out and you're helping the world, that's pretty special. <laughs> I keep wondering when SED is going to reach a tipping point. I I feel like we're getting closer and closer and closer all the time. It's still not a household word, but I think the day is going to come when it is. And it's going to be because of people like you that that happens. So thank you, thank you. And you. Well, you know, <laughs> I have the easy job. I just ask questions. <laughs> it's it's yeah. the people that are out there knowing what they're doing it's like the you patients. that are really making it happen. So back to kids again. You have a child that you're going to put on the specific carbohydrate diet. What do you do if they're a what do you do if they're a picky eater? That happens a lot. Are there are there a lot of struggles with kids getting them to follow this? I would say yes. I mean, especially in, with, you know, patients with autism usually have, you know, they, they prefer dry, crunchy, carby, white foods. So we just try to start them out on the substitutes for, so no, not so much adding fruits and vegetables right away, but the legal sort of snacks that, that are sweet, you know, with the honey and the almond flour. And and you know, and, and try to match up foods that they like. You know, the, you know, the SED isn't a diet that you start tomorrow if you learn about it. So you really take some time and try to match up recipes to what the the patient will eat. Pancakes, make a pancake. See if they'll. And I've seen patients that it takes forever to get them on it. It's just, will they? take a pancake? Will they, you know, switch out this snack for that snack? And, and once you have some confidence there, and once they get them off those, you know, complex sugars, it's really an antidote for picky eating. It's miraculous. They start eating foods they've never eaten before. It's like they were in pain before or not comfortable before, and they go to the foods that they're comfortable with. And so it's, it, like I said, it's, it's amazing how they will eat foods they never ate before. Your taste buds change. Yes, they do. All of a sudden, the foods that are supposed to taste good, like I said in a previous show, the ones that Mother Nature intended for us to enjoy, start to be enjoyable when maybe they weren't enjoyable before. Right, exactly. How long does that usually take? I'm, I'm sure it's different for everybody, but is that something a parent can d expect to see fairly early on, or does it take a long time? Sugar is, you know, a pretty heavy addiction. It is. You know, and a lot of kids do have the reaction, the Herxheimer reaction, where they, you know, they, they're sick or they're really, you know, if it's, a, if it's a child with behaviors, the behaviors get worse because they don't feel good. I know that, you know, it's a time when they, they really need to almost not do anything, not go to school, not go to a program, whatever they do, because they're not, it's not, it's like adults going through detox. Ah. So they don't feel good. They have mucus, they have, they could have vomiting. Um, and that's, you know, that's for a week about. And then, you know, and as far as them, you know, all of a sudden eating a berry diet, I, it, it really does, it really is individual. Interesting. And I can't wait as we go along to learn even more and more about the autism part of everything because that's huge how lives can be turned around and how these kids can be so much happier. Food is remarkable, actually, as medicine. It is, it it is really so remarkable. Is. It really is. All right. So we've gone through a lot. I, I'm hoping to get you back on the show again because we could do a whole show, say, on zinc. Did you want to say anything more about zinc? You had mentioned it earlier. I think, you know, in, in terms of IBD, it, like I said, it protects against IBD. And zinc supplementation in patients with Crohn's disease has been shown to decrease intestinal permeability. And, you know, patients with zinc deficiencies in IBD are associated with poor clinical outcomes. So it, it's very important. And zinc, a lot of times kids and adults may have trouble with taste or smell. That's a symptom of a zinc deficiency. Oh, that's interesting. So picky eaters, sometimes it's a zinc deficiency. And just by changing that supplement, sometimes they, they will eat foods better than they did before? Yes. Wow. Sometimes, like sometimes a picky eater, giving them a multivitamin, a zinc supplement can, you know, and, and by in this behavioral things that you can do too. 
are by taking out foods that you think might be bothering them. What I've found, not, not even patients with autism, just picky eaters in general, sometimes patients will come and be very picky, and it, it's actually because they, something's bothering them. And they usually that, that type of patient will tend to crave the food that's the problem food. The most likely irritants are dairy, sugar, wheat. And sometimes if you eliminate that food, you know, they feel better and they start eating more. And that's, that's what happens with the SCD. So, so that's, that's one thing to do. And, um, and also to try to go slow and tr- try to eliminate as much junk and sugar as possible and stick with just the nutritious foods they'll eat. So if ch- There are a lot of great recipes out there that are just, honey, thank goodness, is allowed on SCD. And it's delicious and it's sweet and fun. Yeah. And there's so many good recipes that if someone's looking for a dessert, they can find it. They can. They can. Sometimes you can take it to someone's house where they don't follow any diet at all, and they don't even know that they're eating something that is SCD. They think it's just, you know, regular sad stuff. It is. It's delicious, healthy food. Yes, it is. So, you know, you've given us a lot of good ideas today. Like I said, I'd like to bring you back on the show again. We could do a whole show on zinc. We could do a whole show on vitamin D. I mean, it's amazing all of the information that's behind all of these different nutrients. And everybody, write to me with questions, because what would you like to see a show on when it comes to nutrition and when it comes to supplementation? In the meantime, if anyone has any questions for you or if they'd like to work with you, how can they get in touch with you in your practice? They can email me at Kathy at RestoreToFlourish.com. R-E-S-T-O-R-E-T-O-F-L-O-U-R-I-S-H.com. And I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. Or they could go to my website and contact me through there too. And your website is? Uh, Restore to Flourish. Okay, so just RestoreToFlourish.com. Yes. You know, it's funny... (laughs) I like the name Restore to Flourish so much. And just for fun, before the show today, I actually picked up my cell phone and I asked Siri for a definition of flourish. Not that I didn't know what it means, but I was just kind of playing around. And she said, this is an exact quote from Siri. A person, animal, or other living organism grows or develops in a healthy or vigorous way, especially as the result of of a particularly favorable environment. Mm. And, you know, thanks to people like you, we have access to professionals who can help us find out what those particularly favorable environments <laughs> are because they're not always the same for everybody. No, People they need to learn to ask questions. They need to learn to maybe stop self-diagnosing. Not that you can't help yourself. But reach out and talk to these wonderful, smart people who are there to help you and who, if you're doing SCD, also understand what you're doing and can reach into it and get your particularly favorable environment out of all of it. So I hope you'll hear from people. They certainly should be keeping in touch with you. And I can't thank you enough for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Lee. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening and thank you for being here today. I hope you enjoyed the show. You can find me, Lee Bernstein, through my website at scdforme.com. Four is F-O-R. There's also links to other social media sites there if you'd like to connect with me on those. If you have questions, comments, suggestions for future shows, or if you have an SCD success story to share, write to me at leebernstein at scdforme.com. A reminder, I am not an SCD expert. Nothing on this show is ever intended as medical advice. Everybody's different. If you have questions about you and your body, always speak to your medical professional. In the meantime, I hope you'll always listen to your gut. I hope you'll stay happy, be well, and always be open to being everything life means for you to be. Take care.